0: Book Three, Chapter Two of History of the Reformation in the Sixteenth Century, Volume I, by Jean Henri Mel d'Aubigné, translated by Henry Beveridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: The Franciscan Confessor, The Soul in the Burying Ground, The Shoemaker of Hagenau, The Students, Myconius Conversation with Tetzel. Stratagem BY A GENTLEMAN CONVERSATION OF THE WISE AND OF THE PEOPLE A MINOR OF Schneeberg. But let us look at some of the scenes which then took place in Germany during this sale of the pardon of sins, for we here meet with anecdotes which, by themselves alone, give a picture of the times. As we proceed with our narrative, we deem it best to let men speak for themselves. At Magdeburg, Tetzel refused to absolve a wealthy female unless she would pay him one hundred florins in advance. She consulted her ordinary confessor, who was a Franciscan. God, replied he, gives the remission of sins freely and does not sell it. However, he begged her not to tell Tetzel what advice he had given her but the merchant having somehow or other heard of the words so injurious to his interest exclaimed such an adviser deserves to be banished or burned tetzel rarely found men enlightened enough and still more rarely bold enough to resist him for the most part he had a good market from the superstitious crowd he had erected the red cross of indulgences at Zwickau, and the good parishioners had hastened to make the money which was to deliver them chink on the bottom of the chest. He was going away with a well-filled purse. The evening before his departure, the chaplains and their attendants applied to him for a farewell entertainment. The request was reasonable, but how was it possible to comply with it? The money was already counted and sealed up. The next morning he orders the large bell to be rung crowds hastened to the church every one thinking that something extraordinary must have happened as the station was closed i had resolved said he to depart this morning but last night was awoke by groans on listening i found they came from the burying-ground alas it was a poor soul calling and entreating me instantly to deliver it from the torment by which it was consumed I have, therefore, remained one day more in order to stir up the compassion of Christian hearts in favour of this unhappy soul. I am willing myself to be the first to give, and whosoever does not follow my example will deserve damnation." What heart would not have responded to such an appeal? Who knew, moreover, whose soul it was that was crying in the burying-ground? the people contributed freely and tetzel gave the chaplains and their attendants a jovial entertainment defraying the expense by the offerings which he had received in favour of the soul of zwickau the indulgence merchants had fixed their station at hagenau in fifteen hundred and seventeen a shoemaker's wife taking advantage of the authority of the instruction of the commissary-general had contrary to the will of her husband procured a letter of indulgence and paid a gold florin for it she died shortly after the husband not having caused mass to be said for the repose of her soul the curate charged him with contempt of religion and the judge of hagenau summoned him to appear the shoemaker put his wife's indulgence in his pocket and repaired to the court. "'Is your wife dead?' asked the judge. "'Yes,' replied he. "'What have you done for her?' "'I have buried her body and commended her soul to God. "'But have you caused a mass to be said for the salvation of her soul?' "'I have not. It was unnecessary. She entered heaven at the moment of her death.' "'How do you know that?' "'Here is the proof.' So saying, he takes the indulgence out of his pocket, and the judge in presence of the curate reads in as many words that the woman who received it would not enter purgatory, but go straight to heaven. If the reverend curate maintains that a mass is still necessary, my wife has been cheated by our most holy father, the Pope. If she was not cheated, then it is the reverend curate who is cheating me this was unanswerable and the accused was acquitted thus the good sense of the people did justice to these pious frauds one day when tetzel was preaching at leipzig and introducing into his sermons some of those stories of which we have given a sample two students feeling quite indignant rose up and left the church exclaiming it is impossible for us to listen longer to the drolleries and puerilities of this monk. One of them, it is said, was young Camerarius, afterwards the intimate friend of Melanchthon, and his biographer. But of all the young men of the period, he on whom Tetzel made the strongest impression, unquestionably was Myconius, afterwards celebrated as a reformer and historian of the Reformation he had received a christian education his father a pious man of franconia was wont to say to him my son pray frequently for all things are freely given to us by god alone the blood of christ added he is the only ransom for the sins of the whole world oh my son were there only three men that could be saved by the blood of christ believe, and believe with confidence that thou art one of the three. It is an insult to the blood of the Saviour to doubt if it saves. Then, cautioning his son against the traffic which was beginning to be established in Germany, the Roman indulgences, said he to him, are nets which fish for money and deceive the simple. The forgiveness of sins and eternal life are not things for sale." At the age of thirteen, Frederick Myconius was sent to the school of Annaberg to finish his studies. Shortly after, Tetzel arrived in the town, and remained in it for two years. The people flocked in crowds to his sermon. "'There is no other method,' exclaimed Tetzel in his voice of thunder, "'there is no other method of obtaining eternal life than the satisfaction of works.' but this satisfaction is impossible for man and therefore all he can do is purchase it from the roman pontiff when Tetzel was about to quit annaberg his addresses became more urgent soon exclaimed he in threatening tone soon i will take down the cross shut the gate of heaven and quench the lustre of that sun of grace which is now shining in your eyes "'then resuming the gentle accent of persuasion. "'Now,' said he, "'is the accepted time. "'Now is the day of salvation.' "'Then, raising his voice anew, the pontifical Stentor, "'who was addressing the inhabitants of a rich mineral district, "'loudly exclaimed, "'Bring your money, burghers of Annaberg! "'contribute largely in behalf of the indulgences, "'and your mines and your mountains will be filled with pure silver.' In conclusion, he declared that at Pentecost he would distribute his letters to the poor gratuitously, and for the love of God. Young Myconius, being among the number of Tetzel's hearers, felt an eager desire to avail himself of this offer. Going up to the commissaries, he said to them in Latin, I am a poor sinner, and I need a gratuitous pardon. The merchants replied, those alone can have parts in the merits of Jesus Christ who lend a helping hand to the church, in other words, who give money. "'What is the meaning, then,' said Myconius, "'of those promises of free gift which are posted up on the walls and the doors of the churches?' "'Give at least a shilling,' said Tetzel's people, who had gone to their master, and interceded with him for the young man, but without effect. "'I am not able.' "'Only sixpence.' i have not even so much the dominicans then began to fear that he wished to entrap them listen they said to him we will make you a present of the sixpence the young man raising his voice in indignation answered i want no indulgences that are purchased if i wished to purchase i would only have to sell one of my school-books i want a free pardon given purely for the love of god "'and you will have to give account to God "'for having allowed the salvation of a soul "'to be lost for a sixpence.' "'Who sent you to entrap us?' exclaimed the merchants. "'Nothing but the desire of receiving the grace of God "'could have tempted me to appear before such mighty lords,' "'replied the young man, and withdrew.' "'I was much grieved,' said he, "'at being sent thus pitilessly away.' but i still felt within myself a comforter who told me that there was a god in heaven who without money and without price pardons repenting sinners for the love of his son jesus christ as i was taking leave of those people i melted into tears and sobbed praying o oh god since these men have refused me the forgiveness of my sins because i had no money to pay for it do thou, O Lord, have pity on me, and forgive my sins in pure mercy. I went to my lodging, and, taking up my crucifix, which was lying on my desk, laid it on my chair, and prostrated myself before it. I cannot describe what I felt. I asked God to be my father, and to do with me whatsoever he pleased. I felt my nature changed, converted, and transformed. What formerly delighted me now excited my disgust. To live with God, and please Him, was my strongest, my only desire. Thus Tetzel himself contributed to the Reformation. By crying abuses he paved the way for a purer doctrine, and the indignation which he excited in a generous youth was one day to break forth mightily. We may judge of this by the following anecdote a saxon gentleman who had heard Tetzel at leipzig felt his indignation aroused by his falsehoods and going up to the monk asked him whether he had power to pardon the sins which were intended to be committed assuredly replied Tetzel, i have full power from the pope to do so well then resumed the knight there is one of my enemies on whom i should like to take a slight revenge without doing him any deadly injury and I will give you ten crowns in return for a letter of indulgence, which will completely acquit me. Tetzel made some objections. At last, however, they came to an agreement for thirty crowns. Soon after, the monk quits Leipzig. The gentleman, accompanied by his servants, waited for him in a wood between Jutebach and Treblin, and, rushing out upon him, and giving him some blows with a stick, carried off the rich indulgence-chest which the inquisitor had with him tetzel cries out robbery and carries his complaint before the judges but the gentleman shows the letter with tetzel's own signature exempting him beforehand from all punishment duke george who had at first been very angry on seeing the document ordered the accused to be acquitted this traffic everywhere occupied men's thoughts, and was everywhere talked of. It was the subject of conversation in castles, in academies, and at the firesides of the citizens, as well as in inns and taverns, and all places of public resort. Opinions were divided, some believing, and others expressing indignation. The sensible portion of the community rejected the whole system of indulgences with disgust it was so contrary to scripture and to morality that all who had any knowledge of the bible or any natural light condemned it in their hearts and only waited for a signal to declare their opposition to it on the other hand scoffers found ample materials for raillery the people who had for many years been irritated by the misconduct of the priests and whom nothing but the fear of punishment induced to keep up a certain show of respect gave free vent to their hatred complaints and sarcasms were everywhere heard on the avarice of the clergy nor did they stop here they even attacked the power of the keys and the authority of the sovereign pontiff why said they does not the pope deliver all souls from purgatory at once from a holy charity and in consideration of the sad misery of these souls seeing he delivers so great a number for the love of perishable money and of the cathedral of st peter why do feasts and anniversaries of the dead continue to be celebrated why does not the pope restore or allow others to resume the benefices and prebends which have been founded in favour of the dead since it is now useless and even reprehensible to pray for those whom indulgences have for ever delivered what kind of new holiness in god and the pope is this from a love of money to enable a wicked profane man to deliver a pious soul beloved of the lord from purgatory rather than deliver it themselves gratuitously from love and because of its great wretchedness the gross and immoral conduct of the traffickers in indulgences was much talked of in paying carriers for transporting them with their goods the innkeepers with whom they lodge or any one who does any piece of work for them they give a letter of indulgence for four five or any number of souls as the case may be in this way the diplomas of salvation were current in inns and in markets like bank-bills or paper-money bring bring said the common people is the head the belly the tail and the whole body of the sermon a miner of schneeberg meeting a seller of indulgences asked must we indeed give credit to what you have often said of the power of the indulgence and of the authority of the pope and believe it possible by throwing a penny into the box to ransom a soul from purgatory the merchant assured him it was true ah resumed the miner what an unmerciful man the pope must be for a paltry penny to leave a miserable soul so long crying in the flames if he has no ready money, let him borrow some hundred thousand crowns and deliver all these people at once. We poor folks will willingly pay him both the interest and the capital. Thus Germany was weary of the shameful traffic which was going on in the midst of her, and could no longer tolerate the impostures of these master swindlers of Rome, as Luther calls them yet no bishop, no theologian, durst oppose their quackery and their fraud. The minds of men were in suspense, and asked whether God would not raise up some mighty man for the work which was required to be done. This man nowhere appeared. End of Book 3, Chapter 2